And hello, it's happening. Great to be able to share God's word with you today. We've been in this series called Together, uh, basically looking at the church in Acts 11 based in Antioch that we for years at Kings have in many ways modelled ourselves on and seen as a real kind of example church for us. And so we spent the last few weeks looking at a whole load of things that we see in that church that we would kind of, that we see in our church already, but want to see maybe even more re-emphasised. And so we've looked at generosity and mercy, community, discipleship. And today is a genuine privilege to look at the theme of grace that we see in this church in Antioch. So I'm going to read Acts 11, I'm going to dive straight in um, and kind of see what it says about grace and then we'll, we'll go from there. So we're going to be Acts 11 verse 19 and we'll read through to verse 24. It says this, now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So essentially, a load of people have become Christians and they were Hellenists. They were Greek speaking non-Jews. They become Christians and so the church sent Barnabas church in Jerusalem say Barnabas go and check this out and so he goes and on checking it out he he sees it says the grace of the Lord and he's glad he, he literally sees it he, he would have seen just the delight and the acceptance and the joy on those who have received Jesus and have become Christians and, and he's really glad about that he he sees the grace of God and so we're going to kind of look at th this theme of of grace so to speak the first time I kind of remember hearing about grace was probably I was about seven or eight years old. My mum and dad kind of, well, my mum actually started going to church, became a Christian. So that meant that on Sundays now we had to say grace before we ate our Sunday dinner, you know, and it was kind of, we still do that today. We say grace. And in our culture at large, the theme of grace is one that people would be familiar with to an extent. You know, you show grace to people, you say grace. The hymn Amazing Grace would be known kind of around the world, very famous. But in many ways, our society is, I would say, actually more graceless. The kind of, the predominant thing at the moment is not a culture of grace, but people would say cancel culture, the opposite of grace, really. That if you say something that's wrong or you uh, kind of do something that's wrong, or even in fact you did something that was wrong five years ago, uh, but it's kind of resurfaced, then you're to be cancelled. You could lose your job, you could lose friends, you could be shunned in a society or a community. It's not, that's not grace-filled, that's in many ways graceless. Or, you know, maybe in kind of other ways, I think in the last two years, the pandemic that we lived in, in many ways, we lived under strict laws and regulations. We were told you, you, you can leave your home, you can't leave your home, you can have this many people in your house, you must wear a mask, you must do this. You, we kind of had all these rules that we had to follow, well, at least some of us had to follow. Um, I won't name names. But we, 
you know, in many ways, we're kind of under these real strict regulations. And so we're kind of used to that kind of following the rules and making sure that we do this and don't do that. So you've kind of got that in our culture. And you've also probably the real spirit of the age is probably karma more than grace. You know, what goes around comes around. You know, you'll get what's coming to you. That kind of mindset and mentality. And, and so it's really important for us as a church to think about this doctrine of grace, because it, that kind of mindset can very easily seep into the church and seep into the way that we think about some of these things. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, well, what does it look like for us to be a grace-filled church? What does it look like for us to be a grace-filled people? And I, and I want to use, um, kind of coming out of Acts 11, I just want to use one verse from the book of Romans to help us try to just grapple with that question. And it comes from Romans 5, verse 17. And just to kind of give a little bit of, uh, I guess, backdrop. A lot of chapter 5 in Romans, Paul is talking about how with Adam, kind of in the beginning, in creation, through Adam that he sinned, and what Adam brought in was sin and devastation and death, okay? Came into the world through Adam. But through Christ came victory and life. So Adam brought in this and Christ brought in this. And so that's kind of the theme that Paul plays on in many different ways. And this is what he says in verse 17 of Romans 5. He says, if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? There's three things I want to just draw out of this passage for us that I think will help us to how do we understand grace, live in grace. And the first thing is that grace is received, not earned. You can't earn grace. That's, that's almost the opposite of, of what grace is. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favour of God in our lives. Grace is the opposite to karma. Karma is you do good, good things happen to you. You do bad, bad things happen to you. Grace is you do good, you do bad. There's still the grace of God for you. There may be consequences for the things that we do wrong, but there is still grace and love and acceptance from God for you. It's a scandal, really, and it's something that we receive, and we receive for free, and it goes against the grain of our culture because in our culture, it's kind of you know you get out what you put in, you know you you got earn, you work hard and earn what you get, you know you hear kind of success stories, yeah, they've earned it, you know, ah, uh, oh, you know, some kind of you deserve that, you've earned it. Grace is not like that. It's not you get what you put in. You didn't put anything in. You don't, you don't deserve it. You've certainly not earned it. It's a, it's a gift. It's a free gift that is given to us. I love this. The Bible talks about it being for free. It's, it costs Jesus his life, but for us it comes as a free gift. And the other thing that Paul says here about this grace is that it comes, he says, there's an abundance of grace. I want to picture what abundance looked like. For, for me, I just think of food, the, the feast, you know, my mum, my mother-in-law, an abundance of food. There's an abundance for us. It's just, it just overflows. It keeps going and going and going. Grace is, it, it, Paul says in, in, in chapter five that where sin increases, sometimes you think, oh man, but I've done more and more sin. You think grace increases. You can't outrun it. There's a song that says, our, our shame was deeper than the sea, but your grace goes further still. 
God's grace is, is boundless. It, it's, it's, it's like an elastic band. It's stretchy. It just keeps going and going. And I've said before, it's not like a linear track where you run out and in the end you run out of road. It's like a circle. It just keeps going round and round and round. You can't outrun the grace of God in your life. There's nothing you can do that can stop God showing grace to you. Whenever we come back to him, there's always grace for us because of Jesus. There's always grace for us because of what he has done and achieved. And so this grace is, is a free gift that we receive and we must receive it like that. We receive it knowing this is something that I've not earned. This is something that I don't deserve. There's things that I've done, things I've said, wrongs that I've done. But despite those, there's still grace for me. And we receive it freely. And I just want to make a note on that because, because we receive grace as a gift, we receive it freely. There's a principle in scripture that we, that we receive it freely. We want to give it out freely. I've got a, uh, in fact, Jesus talks about that in Matthew 10, doesn't he? He says, freely you've received. Freely you've received, freely give. A mate of mine went out, West Ham, uh, if you, in case you don't know, West Ham are massive and we're in the Europa League. And um, a mate of mine went out to watch us in the quarterfinals against Lyon. And he had free tickets to take out with him. And so when he's out there, he, he, he finds a fan who basically didn't have a ticket. He'd gone out there hoping to get a ticket for the game, didn't get one. And so he says, you know what? He approached him and says, I'm going to give you a ticket for the game. The guy, I can't believe it. He's buzzing. Oh, I've got a ticket. How much do I owe you sort of thing? He's like, no, no, it's for free. What, for free? This day and age, yeah, nothing comes for free. No, this is for free. And uh, chatting to my mate about it, he says, yeah, well, look, I, didn't, I didn't have to pay. I got it for free, so I, I just wanted to give it away for free. Which is exactly right. That's the principle of the kingdom. That's the principle that, 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 that I've received something freely, so I want to give it out freely. And, and that's how we should be with grace. And I say that because in our church, in our community, there's going to be times, let's just have it straight, when people get on your nerves. There's going to be times when people say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, look the wrong way, say the wrong word, use the wrong turn of phrase. There's going to be people that get under your skin and just annoy you. There's going to be people that you think, ah, oh, that's life. In fact, in, in this pandemic, I've found that there's been very polarising opinions about a whole load of different things, about, about whether restrictions were this or that, or how quickly we did this or didn't do that, or, or, or vaccines, whatever it is. There can be things that can be polarising in disagreements. But in the face of disagreement, in the face of falling out, in the face of frustration, and, and, and sometimes hurt, we must still be gracious to one another. Why? Because we've received, God is gracious to us. He forgives us. He shows us mercy and grace. And we want to be a community where there's grace for all. We want to be a community where, yeah, of course, it doesn't mean that we, we do what we like. No, we want to love one another. In loving one another, we want to be kind to one another. But we also want to know that, that when people wrong us, there's a way back. There's, accept, there, there's a way back. There's a way to be uh, reconciled. There's a way to be, uh, for things to be restored through grace and forgiveness. Freely we've received this gift. Freely we want to continue to show grace to all of those around us, and especially in our church community, but also those outside of that. So that's the first thing that Paul wants to get across. Grace is, a, is received in an abundance. The second thing I want to pick up on is what Paul says just after is that those of us that have this grace and righteousness, this free gift, he says, we reign in life. I love that phrase. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you reign in life. Amen? 
But you know, and that's a principle throughout the Bible, by the way, Old Testament, New Testament, phrase like you should be the head and not the child, that you're over, you're not under, that, that, that we're more than conquerors, that we have victory in Christ, that we reign in life. These are, are fundamental principles. And if I say it to you and present it to you like that, I'm sure you'll give me a yeah, Joe, yes and amen. But my experience is that's not often how we practice. That's not how it's often worked out. In fact, I see so many Christians just under the yoke, the burden of, 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 of the law, of legalism and, and, and kind of regulations and, and continually just feeling like they're not good enough and they don't quite meet the mark and that they're not kind of living up to expectations and, and they're just such a bad Christian, they should do more. And, and you see it time and time again. Maybe there's a particular Sunday, you're impacted by the word of God and you think, you know what, I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to get myself in gear. I'm going to get into the Bible. I'm going to set an alarm. I'm going to make sure I go to prayer. I'm going to get in a group. And then Tuesday morning comes and you oversleep and you, you wake up and you think, oh no, I didn't read the Bible. Oh, I didn't get my quiet time. I didn't get to pray. Oh no, I'll do it in the car on the way to work or on the way back from the school run. Or I'll quickly, I'll read a couple of verses on the train, you know, just to make sure. You think, man, is that, is that raining in life? Or someone comes a Christian and, and you kind of want to experience freedom and release and you say, oh, you mustn't say this anymore. You mustn't do that. And, 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 and you must come here, I'll make sure, don't forget the prayer meeting, and you think, oh, so releasing. Or you, you think you're doing well, and then you realise someone says to you, oh, I've been fasting this week, you think, oh, I've not been fasting, oh no, it's not raining in life. So many times, I, I, I just see so many Christians just adding laws and, and, and rules and checklists, things that they must do in order to get God's approval. And, or coming under the harsh kind of legalism that, that you must do this, 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 this and this in order to have acceptance with God. It's, not, it's, it's foolishness. It's not the case. The Bible says, no, that's the opposite of grace. That's not reigning in life. Even recently, a friend of mine, Moses, one of the pastors, was chatting, oh, Moses, what are you doing on the weekend? He's like, yeah, I'm going to go and do evangelism in Catford Saturday morning. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go and play football. Goals in Elton. <laughs> It could be easy for me to, on my way there, feel guilty about that, oh, you know. Rather than going and enjoying fellowship with friends and enjoying the sunshine, things that God has created for a sport and having fun and just enjoying creation and giving God thanks for that, I could be beating myself up on the way. Oh, probably should be evangelism. Oh, you know, not even, maybe, you know, I'm a rubbish pastor. I'm not even out doing evangelism on Saturday morning. There's nothing wrong with doing street evangelism. Praise God for that. The whole point is that we can beat ourselves up because we're thinking, ah, oh, in order to be a proper Christian, uh, uh, in order to be accepted by God, I've got to do all these things, add all, add all these things in, adding to it, adding these kind of checklists, creating laws for myself. And it's the opposite. God says, I came to set you free. That's what grace is. That we don't need to do those things to be accepted by God. It's just in Jesus, faith in Jesus alone. I heard... Um, Terry Virgo's brilliant messages on, on, on preaching, on, on, on grace, I should say, and it's really influenced my kind of, I guess I've heard him preaching it and written books on it. I remember him talking about a friend of his once who used to go out, heard of mission evangelism and told himself, you know what, I must begin to witness. I'm going to witness to one person every day. And so he goes out and he does that. There's one day they're sitting down and gets to the evening and he thinks, Oh no, I've not witnessed to anyone today. What's he do? Grab his coat, get out on the street, desperately searching for someone. I must witness. Is that raining in life? 
and putting himself under that law. He must witness to one person a day. Laying in bed at night thinking, oh no, I didn't witness today, I'm no, I'm no good. Christian's doing that. Me and my church on the how you been? So so. Not really been. Not really managed to, but I missed a prayer meeting on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. It's not raining in life. Putting yourself under a yoke. What Jesus came to set us free from. Suddenly, grace becomes a gift that we're trying to earn rather than something that we've received, knowing that we don't need to do these things to get approval of God. Because of Jesus, we have it already. Maybe an illustration to, to, to help us understand it. A, a friend of mine, a preacher down in Brighton, Joel, Joel Burgo, I, I heard him explain this once, and I've shared it with Kings before, I'll share it again. A fantastic illustration about, uh, with the show X Factor, or Britain's Got Talent. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Uh, I loved, uh, I say I loved, I was old school, pop stars, the rivals, things like that. I was sales team Gareth, just to make that clear for those of you that are with me. And X Factor, Britain's Got Talent. The premise of those shows, if you've not seen them, is they have to sing a song or perform in order to get votes to go through to the next round. And so you see these people doing it and they're under immense pressure week on week. They come out and they're, they're desperate to get through. And then they're singing and saying, oh, if I can just get the votes of the judges and, 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 and of the public at home. And they get through round after round, round after round. And eventually they get into the final. And once they're in the final, it's like, whoa, it's huge pressure. And basically, if they win the show, in the end, they get a recording contract or a kind of a, a big finance prize. And then they announce the winner. They've won and they're like, this big release. Come on, I've won the recording contract. You sign the deal. And then what they often do is afterwards, they say, why don't you just come out one more time and sing the song for us? And when they do, they come out like a different person. Such joy, such freedom. Smile on their face. They're, it doesn't matter if they miss a line. Their friends come out and sing it with them. It doesn't matter. They're hugging friends and having a great time. They're just enjoying the whole process. Why? Because they've already won. This is not dependent on them. Friends, in life, that's the Christian life. We've already won. It's not dependent on us. It's already been dependent on Jesus. He's won it all. His victory over death on the cross as he rose again. We are victorious. We are. Our lives should be like that victory. Just singing with joy and freedom, knowing Christ has done it all. I can just enjoy it. But instead, so many of us, we're like the, the rounds before where it's dependent on us. Oh, I must do this. And the devil comes and he, he, he accuses us of, of, you need to do more. And we can easily slip back into that old way of thinking. It happened in the Bible. Elsewhere in, in, in the book of Galatians, uh, the, the, these people, they were coming under the law and Paul calls them fools. He says, you foolish Galatians, coming back under this law. It doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to the fullness of joy. It doesn't cause you to reign in life. What really does is knowing there's nothing I can do. It's all because of what Jesus has achieved. There's grace for me. I can reign in life. And so that's the second thing that Paul draws out for us. And the final thing is, is just, again, this reminder for us, which you just touched on, that all of this, it says, we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It's all Jesus. When I was about 14, I heard a man preach at New Day. And he said, I remember it so clearly, Jesus plus nothing equals safe. New Day's a youth camp, by the way, that I used to go to. Jesus plus nothing equals saved. And essentially this, there's nothing you can do to make your salvation add to it. And there's nothing you can do to take away from it. You just put your trust in Jesus. It's all what he's achieved. 
There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. You simply put your trust in Jesus. He's done it all. He's achieved it all for us. It's all through Christ. And when we realise that, it suddenly changes the way we go about things. Suddenly we're not under, we don't feel this burden that, oh, I must pray. I must read the Bible. I must get to group. I must help with the outreach. I must witness. I must do this like this kind of pressure in order to make sure that we're saved or have approval from God. Now we know because of Jesus, I've got approval from God. And so it doesn't mean that we don't want to do those things. Don't Please don't mishear me because sometimes it could sound like I'm saying, oh yeah, the Bible and prayer and prayer meeting and groups, these things are no good. No, they're amazing things. I love these things. But our motivation for doing any changes, it's no longer obligation, but it's invitation. It's no longer, I must do this. No, I want to do these things. Not because I've got to uh, kind of, you know, check off a checklist. No, it's because I want to pray and be at the prayer meeting because I love to be in relationship with God. I love his presence. I want to be in the word of God because I love to receive the insights from God and how it changes my life. I want to witness because, not because oh, I must witness, because I want to share the good news of Jesus. I want others to be able to experience life in all its fullness. Suddenly our motivation is no longer kind of this legalism and I must do these things, but no, there's a grace for it. I've always said it was, it's, it's like me at home. I, I like to help out around the house as much as I can. Of course I can, you know. Me and Sylvia, we'll do, we've been married five years. I'll do a bit of washing up, do this. I'm not at home mopping, washing up, thinking, oh, if I, if I do enough of this, Sylvia will love me. If I do enough of this, Sylvia will accept me. I'll, I'll be in her good graces. No, I'm doing it because she loves me. I'm doing it because I love her. It comes out of that place. And it's the same with us in the Lord. We don't, we don't do any of this stuff to earn his love and approval. He already loves us. He sent his son to die for us. And because of that, we say, no, I want to do it because I'm loved by you and because I love you. And it changes everything. And we're no longer under this kind of law and legalism. Elsewhere in Romans 7, Paul says it clearly. He says, you're no longer under the law, but we're under the spirit of grace. That authority of the law is no longer over you. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a brilliant preacher, last century spoke about how, uh, uses preaching on this topic, says this illustration of like, it's like a sergeant who's always getting onto a soldier. March left, march right, stand up straight, fix your tire, clean your boots, over here, over there. You're kind of always under this kind of bombardment, bombardment. And then one day he's discharged from the army. He's thinking, oh great, he's walking down, jacket over his shoulder, tie loosened, having a bit of a slouch. And the sergeant suddenly appears out of nowhere, shouting at him, fasten your tie. Stand up straight. He looks at him, he's thinking, I've been discharged. No matter how much you shout at me, I don't come under your authority anymore. I've come out from under that, I've been discharged. Friends, it's the same with us. We've come, we're no longer under the law, we're under grace. The authority, the, the devil will try to bring us back in and whiz, oh, you should do this, you should do that. I say, no, that's not what the authority is, my authority. The authority is Jesus Christ and what he's achieved for me and the grace that he's ushered into my life. We're no longer under law, we're under grace. We're no longer in Adam, we're in Christ. So with that we know that grace is a gift we've received. We can receive it as a free gift in abundance. There's an abundance for you today. We reign in life as Christians because we live by grace. And not only that, we know that it's all through Christ Jesus. Let me just read this one verse to us again and then I'll pray. 
If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for all that he achieved for us on the cross. And because of him, we reign in life. And I want to pray for all of us. Help us to receive this grace afresh again today. The grace of God that is a free gift in abundance to us. Help us this week to not be under the yoke of the law, Lord, but under grace. All because of Christ, we pray in his name. Amen.